Hi, I'm Clark Dunn, your host of the Beyond Rockets podcast. Huntsville, Alabama is primarily known for being the Rocket City because of its close association with the U.S. space mission. But Huntsville is so much more than that. Huntsville is home to many high-tech companies, entrepreneurs involved in interesting startups, talented creatives, and much, much more. My goal is to introduce you to some of these individuals that are taking Huntsville beyond the rocket. This episode is sponsored by Fow Wow Designs. Fow Wow Designs is a local clothing brand focused on bringing hometown freshness to shirtless souls. You can now use code BEYOND at checkout on their site and receive 20% off. I love Fow Wow Designs because it's the ability to make something so familiar, so fun, and exciting. For my like big spring ducks and I cannot lie to egg beater Jesus, you are bound to find something for you. Check out their website today at fowwowdesigns.com and use promo code BEYOND for 20% off. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond Rockets. In this episode, I sit down and talk with the managers of the Coffee Clutch, whose goal is to provide the finest freshly roasted specialty coffee available and to offer a wide selection of premium loose-leaf teas sourced from around the world. First off, thank you for taking the time to sit down and talking with me. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. Um, my name is Joanna Weond. Um, I am the manager of the Coffee Clutch and one of the main roasters there. And I'm Katie Manos. I'm the other main roaster and also our tea coordinator. So are y'all originally from Huntsville, or did work or family bring you here? Um, I'm not from Huntsville. I'm from Tuscaloosa. I moved here in 2015 uh, with my uh, boyfriend, now husband. And uh, I'm also not from Huntsville. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved here in uh, 97, um, actually from England. Oh, wow. My dad was in the Army, so that's how we ended up here. So I know a little bit about the Coffee Clutch's history, kind of looking at your website, y'all do a really good job about kind of showcasing it. And for anyone that's listening that's been lived in Huntsville their entire life, like I have, I mean, the Coffee Clutch has been a huge staple in Huntsville um, for a very long time. Um, It opened its doors in 1976, and y'all actually started roasting it in 1977. And I read that a big influence was that you saw, the owners uh, saw a lot of uh, coffee shops in San Francisco and kind of wanted to mimic that in Huntsville. Uh, at the time, I mean, Huntsville, people really didn't know what specialty coffee was. I feel like it was a, like, how tough of a time was it to kind of introduce something that no one had seen before in a town as, like, Huntsville? Yeah, um, I mean, I definitely think it was, you know, probably a very, very big decision for them to come back to Huntsville and try and start this thing here. Um, you know, they, Grant and Catherine, have been living out in San Francisco, and they just really fell in love with like hanging out at the coffee houses and getting into like really good coffee. And, um, you know, they were from this area actually near the Sheffield area. And so they kind of, uh, wanted to get back closer to home and bring this with them because they just loved, loved that environment so much. Yeah. I think it helped also that when they started, they started as like a traditional more sit down cafe. So for people in the area who are more used to breakfast restaurants, it was more just, comfortable. Yeah. Um, and they were able to, when they started roasting, kind of slowly introduce their customers to it in a way that wasn't intimidating. So you said that like originally it was like more of a, a cafe. When did y'all kind of, when did it kind of transition to being more just a coffee roast house that serves cups you can get when you walk in, but not necessarily a sit down restaurant? Sure. Um, it, it morphed a lot through the years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Basically, after their first year of being a cafe, um, they were serving coffee from a place out in uh, San Francisco, um, and they just decided they really wanted more control over the quality of everything. So that's when the roasting came in the next year, and it kind of just added on in the next several <laughs> years. Um, you know, there was a need for lunchtime food in downtown Huntsville that wasn't really there, so they started doing sandwiches, um, you know, and then eventually they're like, hey, we're going to open a bar at night. So they sort of... You know, in the first several years they were open, just kind of built all that together. 
And uh, they got to the point where it's like, okay, we're doing a little bit too much. And <laughs> so they decided to close the bar and, um, you know, get back down to just sort of the roasting as their main feature. Um, and same thing kind of got out of doing the food mm-hmm. and the pastries and that type of thing and um, just stuck with the roasting. So at the time, I mean, in 1977, when roasting, when y'all started roasting and you were able to kind of get more specialty coffee than what you just found at the grocery store, um, there really wasn't very much of a coffee scene. I mean, there's no, at least as far as I'm aware of, there was really not a coffee scene at that time. Uh, now, can you fast forward to like 2018 and 2019, you started having, seeing more and more local coffee shops pop up. Uh, there was some in South Huntsville, like Angels Island and uh, Roosters that actually roasts their stuff. Um, how... What do you think kind of drives people to still shop and still experience the coffee clutch, even as time and um, has gone and there's been a lot more options uh, in town? Um, I think that just having more people roasting locally helps everyone who roasts locally. Um, that's the big thing is just getting it, getting the mindset out there that fresh roasted coffee is something that's really enjoyable, um, just helps everybody. So having... Um, places in other parts of town that are fresh roasting um, just gets the idea in people's head. And then if they're downtown, they see another place and they might be w- more willing to go in there. Mm-hmm. And I, I think kind of like, even though it, it, it's competition in some ways, but I think the kind of, it drives the best out of everybody too. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of makes that appreciation for people that either aren't in, don't know about specialty coffee. They have a lot of options and they have a lot of people that have a lot of resources that they can reach out to, to kind of learn about it themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, when did the tea side of Coffee Clutch kind of get ad- uh, brought into play? And what kind of, what does your role there look like now? Well, they had tea um, for a while, mm-hmm. you know, that went back a long time ago. Um, but they actually met our tea broker at a, it was a conference for coffee. Um, and I don't remember what exact year that was. Sometime in the 90s. In the 90s, yeah. And she actually also happens to be on the West Coast. And um, she was just really great at introducing them to the concept that um, tea is a lot like coffee. Um, you have different origins, um, have different nuances, and that is something that can be very special if you take the time to showcase it and showcase the, the um, best qualities of it. Yeah. So I know like when you, when you walk into the coffee clutch, you all have a ton of selections um, as far as coffee is concerned and as, as far as tea is concerned. Um, how do you try and for the, for the newbies that kind of walk in that don't know very much that are just kind of, they know what they like and they, and they might like something they can get on the shelf at the grocery store. How do you kind of direct them and guide them into having, finding something that they would potentially like and that would, they potentially would come back to get more of? Sure. Um, you know, generally the easiest thing to ask people what they have been drinking or if there's things they've had that they didn't like. Um, And if you can get just a few little things out of them, um, you know, then it's kind of gives us a guide of which of our coffees or regions to kind of start with. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we definitely have a variety that can hit pretty much any palate. So, um, you know, if we can just get a little of what (laughs) they're looking for, then, you know, we can usually pick something out for them. Also think it's important not to kind of give up on people if they don't know the exact terminology to use. Yeah. Um, it's kind of intimidating to go into a world like like wine. If you don't understand wine, it's very hard to go into a store like that and get something that you know you're going to like. And coffee can be the same way, really intimidating if you don't know the terminology. But just not giving up on people and just, you know, letting them smell different things and, um, and kind of 
helping them through the process and helping them know the terminology. Um, that helps a lot. Yeah. Too. So did y'all, when did y'all first get into coffee? Did, was a coffee clutch kind of your first kind of t- taste of what the coffee industry looks like, or did you kind of get into it in different ways working at coffee shops that are more the typical cafes that you were serving it? Or how did you kind of get into it? Say, um, for me, it was my first coffee place. Um, I actually was in college and, you know, looking to get a second job and my hairdresser told me, hey, I know these people that own the coffee clutch. Why don't you go see if they need any help? And went there, and they hired me, and I worked there several years and then was gone for several years and then came back. So, um. And I was a barista in college in Tuscaloosa. I worked for um, a cafe and then also a German cafe. And so I had worked in coffee before, kind of in a different role. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, spent some time out of it in the restaurant industry, actually worked for a Thai restaurant, and then going back into working with coffee at the Coffee Clutch, and also kind of having the tea world opened up to me as well. Um, that was in 2015. Okay. So one thing that I found was, found was super interesting, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming y'all still use that same equipment today, but looking at your website, you talk a lot about uh, when y'all first started, you got this 1929 roaster. And I think that's such an interesting thing that y'all are continuing to roast on this. I'm assuming you still are. Yes. Um, because as, I mean, in 1976, you get this, or 77, you get this roaster and you're starting to roast. And you would think as, as time goes on, you would want to upgrade and get newer and nicer and more technology would be introduced. I mean, I know there's some roasters that even um, have like iPads almost that run them, that graph it for them, that they don't even have to do very much. How important is it for you to keep that old school uh, way of doing it, even in the in, even in twenty twenty one? Really important. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we think it's really important. Um, the thing that that Grant and Catherine, the owners, kind of taught us is the importance of consistency and of just keeping with what you do best. And the coffee that's been coming off of that roaster for decades is what our customers really love. Um, it's fun to watch. Um, it's something that nobody else really has. Oh, a couple other people have, but not in Huntsville. Yeah. Um, and it's it's what makes us special. It's what gives us our own niche. Um, and so it's very important that we keep roasting on the same thing. How tough is it to dial in for like as, as someone that wasn't really in the scene <laughs> and then you you to jump into it and now to kind of be like that head roaster now there? How tough was it to first kind of learn those skills? when you maybe even could see counterparts that are doing it such an easier way, like they're just throwing in stuff and pressing a couple buttons. You're like, why can't we just do this? (laughs) It is definitely. um, (laughs) Takes a long time. Yeah, Yeah. definitely a learning curve. Um, You know, the the biggest way to learn stuff being a roaster is to mess things up. Um, (laughs) And so we've definitely had our fair share of mess ups, Um, but it really helps you learn that piece of equipment and, you know, even though it's like a modern, not a modern piece of equipment, um, you know, it still has its special way that it kind of works and the way that you have to deal with it. Um, and so it's really just kind of picking up on, I'd say, almost its moods. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you mentioned a little bit uh, a second ago, you mentioned that when you f- stick to something that you're good at, you kind of continue to kind of keep that same tradition going. And I kind of I think that's interesting to think about because like you said the first couple years of the coffee clutch you were just trying all these different things Mm -hmm. i mean you were just trying to see what works in huntsville and the location you had at the time i mean the location probably wasn't as as a hot commodity as it is today Mm -hmm. um in 1976 it probably wasn't the the first place people were thinking of they should open up a coffee shop 
Um, but to kind of see that transition of, okay, this is working, but this isn't really what we want to do, or this is really working, or this is not working, being able to adapt. Um, how much of adapt adapting did you have to kind of do over the last couple of years with COVID um, and with kind of the aesthetic that y'all have, it's experiencing it inside is really where it, it kind of, you're able to soak in the old roaster, the space. The, so how, like, how did you have to transition during that time to kind of still be able to serve customers? It was difficult, um, especially because, like, like you said, having people in the store and watching the roaster is such an experience. It's such a part of the store. Um, also, being able to walk people through the many different origins and selections that we have is another part of being in the store. And it was very hard to do um, through the door, you know, with a yeah. plexiglass barrier and construction. <laughs> it was, and the roaster is very loud right by the door, too. So it was very hard to communicate. Um, but we had to definitely expand our website and all of the merchandise we had on the website. We had to do shipping only for a period of time, especially because um, our owners are elderly. We didn't really want to expose them any more than you know that we really had to. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of shrunk it down as small as we could do um, while still getting our product out there to the people that we knew would still make it out there to get it. How much of your sales do you think right now are to these more of a corporate, do do y'all do corporate stuff or is a lot of your stuff just individual consumer basis based on what they, them coming into the shop or them hearing about it or giving it to a friend as a gift? Yeah, I don't know an exact percentage, but the vast majority of our business is selling, you know, one or to three pounds at a time to individuals. Okay. Um, We have a few offices that are downtown but even then, those people are coming in and, and buying yeah. from the store. Um, pretty much no no corporate. Yeah. Um, but at Christmas time, sometimes we might do a, a bigger order for an office a, somewhere. A Christmas party or Christmas, something. You know, gifts and whatnot. But uh, the majority is the individual and customer. I, I think that's kind of the cool thing about it. Because a, a lot of the roasters that have come up now are focusing on more of the, I mean, they're, they're either doing it with a coffee shop and they're kind of you making sure their their beans are on espresso and they're they're available there. But a lot of them are kind of like are doing that corporate sale or the white label that are just keeping them from, they're able to provide this product to a vast majority of people, which y'all kind of are still sticking with that local, your neighborhood coffee shop, your neighborhood roaster. And I think that's such a cool thing. And the experience that people get, even if they don't even walk in, just walking by and seeing the, the, the all this, the, 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 I've got the, I don't even know the terminology of what comes out of the vent, but the, the stuff coming out of the vent when y'all are roasting, I think is an experience that most um, towns or most cities don't get to experience as much, especially with some of the newer roasters that even keep it all internally and they don't even have to deal with that. Um, what does a day in the life look like for the positions that you have kind of being over tea and being over coffee in the day-to-day operations? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, so, since we roast everything in small batches, we're running the roaster pretty much every single day we're open. Um, you know, that's anything from, you know, maybe two or three roasts up to, you know, sometimes 11 or 12 roasts oh, wow. in a day. So just kind of depends on what we need, what orders are coming in. Um, and so a lot of roasting, um, you know, a lot of a lot of keeping up with, um, we've got a few wholesale customers keeping up with, um, you know, our website orders. So... Just uh, a lot of different things happening during yeah. the day. Yeah. <laughs> Maintenance on an almost 100-year-old machine <laughs> that sometimes takes up more space than we were prepared for in any given day. But that's definitely part of the job. Um, with the teas, you know, uh, it's a 
big thing, just trying to educate people on tea. Um, a lot of people are used to, to tea in the South in a pretty much entirely different context mm-hmm. than how we sell it. Um, and just trying to nudge people into that, yeah. into trying something new. How, how much, so I, I think the only thing that's really interesting too is just like y'all, all, not only do y'all offer a wide selection of coffee and tea, but you also have a lot of the equipment that you can use to brew and make it in different ways. Do y'all, how, how much of the, like the education side of that is important to y'all being able to be like, okay, you really like this. Well, in this form in the French press, it kind of tastes more like this, but if you're really working something on the go, you might want an AeroPress or a Chemex if you're doing from higher, like how important is it to kind of direct cu- customers in that hey, you like this, well, this is really good on this equipment, or we'd recommend this. It's pretty important. Um, we, we all try to drink all the coffees and, <laughs> and all the teas on as many, in as many different formats as we can. Um, for the most part, a lot of our coffees we try to make where they're pretty good on any kind of equipment. Um, but that being said, we do always try to test it on different things. And so if somebody comes in, and get something I really don't think would be good for espresso, I can voice that to them. You know, I, I'm not sure that this is exactly what you're looking for. Yeah. I might recommend this or this. Um, okay. And, and I, I think that's like one of the, the beauties of it. I mean, as even though like y'all are still kind of operating in that, and then like the, the, the aesthetic is still very 1970s, 1980s, but y'all are able to kind of incorporate these new technologies in other ways to kind of still guide people with what's adapting and what kind of, um, products are coming out. Um, how important, how impactful do you think the downtown as it's continuing to grow, um, has affected the coffee clutch and just making people more visible of what you're doing? And do you have people that often come in there saying, I've heard of you, but I haven't actually stopped by. And how often does that happen? Pretty much every day. Uh, (laughs) I say having, um, when I worked there in college, that was, you know, in the, um, early two thousands and, um, downtown Huntsville on a Saturday during the day is like a ghost town, (laughs) you know, and we were one of the only places left and we'd have people come in, you know, from out of town and be like, well, I came to downtown to find all the cool stuff and what's going on. And we're like, well, this is what, this is what it looks like most (laughs) of the time. And, you know, and then to see the differences in what we see on a Saturday now where there's just so much more foot traffic, you know, we have a lot more people that wander in and say, Oh, I smelled you across the block or, or, oh, what's this, you know, stuff coming out of the side of your building? <laughs> and so it's it's definitely been a big change um, having the downtown grow. It really has brought a lot more people down there. And, um, you know, so we have a big gamut of longtime customers. And then we, you know, are still adding in new customers every day. We meet somebody new. So yeah, and I think things like the, like the coffee trail that kind of also gets people to stop by and like, or at least like be more aware of the coffee scene. Mm-hmm. I think things like that, when you're able to kind of, oh, there's a lot of things that are happening. And then when you get them downtown, then they're able to just, like you said, smell it. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we were downtown for, uh, what were we downtown for? It was uh, the food trucks. We were downtown for breakfast food trucks. And I was like, I need to get some more coffee. And at that same moment, I was like, I think they're roasting. Let's go down there and grab some beans. <laughs> and we went down there and grabbed some beans. And like, so I think I think like the, peop- the opportunity people have now to kind of experience a coffee clutch is a, is a way higher scale than what it was even 10 years ago. Um, and I think that's going to continue to grow throughout the years. How much of the success that the coffee clutch has had over its 45 years of um, being around, would you contribute to them being in the right place at the right time? Or would you all contribute to the hard work that the staff has put in and the owners? 
both. Yeah, I was going to say, it's definitely got to be a, a mix of both. Um, you know, Grant and Catherine have always, you know, when they started the business, it was just we want it to be the way we want it. You know, we want good quality. We want to take care of the people that come and shop with us. And that's something that they've always kept. It's something they've always taught everybody that's worked for them. Um, you know, so. Yeah, they, they're very... Um, very specific about the point of the business is to put out a good product and for all of us to make our living and to make a good living um, and to just keep that consistency um, because it's very valuable and very easy to lose yeah. if, if you lose sight of, of that. So looking, I mean, at the last, I mean, you recently just celebrated 45 years, um, which I think is a huge milestone. Looking at this past 45 years, the time that you've spent there and then kind of the history that you know of it, what do you continue to see the future for the Coffee Clutch to hold in the years to come? Um, I mean, you know, I think we have the intention of hoping to be able to continue it as it is now in a way, um, you know, just continuing to use our antique roaster as long as we can and just always being able to get our coffee style out there. Just uh, hoping to help people who love coffee, you know, make better coffee at home and tea, make better tea at home um, so that they don't feel boxed in where they have to go out to enjoy a beverage that they enjoy. <laughs> so how can people connect with the Coffee Clutch and support you in what you're doing? Sure. Um, we have a full website um, where you can shop with us on the website. Also found it a little bit of information with us. That's just coffeeclutch.com. Um, where you have a social media presence. Um, Katie's in charge of all that, so she's, you know, converses with people and, um, you know, all the normal ones, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. So. Yeah, always available through there. And uh, in the store. Um, you know, we love we love talking to people about coffee, so come on in. Yeah, and so anyone that's listening that hasn't been or hasn't been in a while and just, like, just I would highly suggest going. It is an experience that you'll, you'll love, and for someone – I mean, I love I love specialty coffee. I love coffee in general. And I love to see where Huntsville is growing. And I mean, Coffee Clutch, as like I said, it's been a staple in Huntsville for 45 years plus. And I continue to look forward to the success that you will have in Huntsville for years to come. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Beyond Rockets. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast as well as you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Beyond Rockets to stay up to date on the new episodes and the events that are going on in Huntsville. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed.